So we're, we're in a series called Away in the Wilderness, and what we're talking about is we're coming out of Isaiah 35, which is a messianic chapter, and it's telling us what the Messiah will do when the Messiah comes, but we know the Messiah's already come, all right? And so we're taking four weeks, and we started last weekend. Last weekend was strength, that he brings strength, and I, I gave you three simple ways to receive strength from God, from Jesus, from the Messiah, three very, very simple ways last weekend. And this weekend, the title of the message is Signs, that when the Messiah comes, or when he has already, he's already come, we know, but Isaiah's telling us when he comes, he'll do signs and wonders. He'll bring signs and wonders with him, all right? So we stopped at verse four last week, so this week we're going to start at verse five. Isaiah 35, verse five says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So what he's saying is the Messiah is going to come with signs and wonders. Now, I want you to understand something. It's natural for God to be supernatural. That's normal for God. I'm going to say something. The first part of this sentence is tongue in cheek. If God wakes up in the morning, he's going to do a miracle that day. And obviously, he never sleeps or slumbers, but he, he just does miracles. That's, it's normal. God does signs and wonders. Jesus did miracles when he was on this earth. But here's what we need to know. We need to remember that the Bible tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there were miracles going on, signs and wonders, before Jesus ever came to this earth. God was doing miracles. So I have three points that I want to share with you. Here's number one. God does signs and wonders. God does signs and wonders. And I love that word wonder because what, it, what I think it means is, is that you can't figure it out. You just have to wonder about it. I don't know why God decided to say, but signs and wonders are all through the Bible. But like what happened to me a year ago, there's no medical explanation. So you can just wonder about it all you want. And the reason I'm saying that to you is because for some of you, your mind is one of your greatest assets and one of your greatest liabilities. Because you have to figure everything out. And I just want you to know, you can't figure out God. You just can't. You can learn about him and you can get to know him, but God is infinite. God never ends. It's like when your child says, what's the highest number? You ever had that question? And you're trying to explain to them, well, there's there's not one because you can always add one. Well, that's the way God is. God is infinite. So God does signs and wonders. So let me show you a few scriptures about signs and wonders. Exodus 7 verse 3 says, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Here we have the second book of the Bible, God talking about signs and wonders. Psalm 135 verse 9, he sent signs and wonders into the midst of you. Daniel 4 3, how great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. And then Acts 2 verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, 
which God did through him in your midst. And then just so you know that it just wasn't God and Jesus doing it, Acts 2.43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So they they keep going. Romans 15, verse 18, I will not dare to speak to you. This is Paul talking to the Romans. To any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders. Paul did signs and wonders. Of course, God did them through it. Hebrews 2, 4. God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I like this just because I just want to say that some people say gifts of the Holy Spirit have passed away. They say miracles and wonders have passed away. Signs have passed away. Okay, the only problem with that is, is that God has not passed away. So what God does hasn't stopped either. God is God. He can never stop being God. God is a God of the miraculous. So just don't believe any theology that tries to tell you that God doesn't do miracles anymore because God has to do miracles because God's God. That's just God is God. He just, that's, that's just what God does. So again, years ago, God just, I don't know what happened, but somehow God put it on my heart. This, we met this family and they couldn't conceive and I prayed for, and I'd been reading in the scripture about how God opens wounds. And I'll show you those scriptures in just a moment. And so I, I just prayed that God would open this woman's womb and she got pregnant. Then before you know it, there was another and then another and another. And so um, uh, this, this has been going on for a long time now in, in my ministry. Um, and every year, again, at Gateway Church, we do this. Every year on Mother's Day. We have, we have a lot of Mother's Day miracles around here. I mean, I'll, I'll run into families at restaurants and stores and they'll introduce me to, this is, one of, this is one of the Mother's Day miracles. This is a child that we could not conceive for many, many years, and you prayed on Mother's Day, and this is one of them. I called my son today and uh, said to him, hey, uh, I just, just uh, this is something we started at the beginning of Gateway. I didn't know whether this is your first Mother's Day in Austin at the church, or at uh, Table Church there. And I, I said, I just didn't know whether you were going to do this or felt late. He said, oh, absolutely. He said, dad, I just, I grew up seeing it. He said, I can't imagine a Mother's Day not praying for moms that want to be moms. You know, I just can't imagine that. He said, but let me tell you what happened. We got an email this week from a lady who's had, who's been wanting to be a mom. And for her, and I understood this, this is what I felt years ago when I started. He, she, he said, Mother's Day is a sad day for her because it marks another day, another year, you know? And so he, he said, she wrote an email to uh, Hannah, that's Josh's wife, and said, I was just wondering what y'all have planned. And so she, Hannah explained, well, we're going to celebrate moms, but uh, we're also going to pray for mothers that want them to be moms, and this is something we've done for years and all. And she wrote back, and she said, I'm so excited about this, and I have so much faith in my heart, but I've never heard of a church that does this. But I hope there are many that do this, and there probably are. So anyway, years and years ago... Uh, probably around 35 or 36, uh, because I'm not quite sure how old my nephew is, but Debbie's sister and her husband, who are now members of our church and wonderful people, uh, but they were trying to get pregnant. And uh, so we, we were staying with them on, for a vacation or something. And Debbie just said, uh, hey, um, Robert prays for ladies that are trying to conceive. And it's just 
God has just given him faith in Sarah. Would you like for him to pray uh, with you? And uh, she and her husband both said, yeah, absolutely. We love that, you know. And so I prayed. Well, while I was praying, I heard this statement, and I've learned to just say, say what I hear when I pray and trust the Lord. And so I said, you'll have a son in less than a year. Now, uh, you think you got a year there, but you really don't. You got three months. And the Lord then took me to James 5 that said, Isaiah prophesied that it wouldn't rain for three, you know, until he said it would. And then it says, and then he prayed earnestly. (laughs) So, So the Lord has taught me when I prophesy something that the next step is to pray earnestly. And so I prayed earnestly, you know, for the next few months. And, but here's the thing. I said, less than a year, you'll have a son. 11 months, two weeks later, she had a son. And then she got pregnant again very quickly. And then she had a daughter. Then she got pregnant again very quickly. And their children were like first, second, third grade, you know, uh, sophomore, junior, senior. You know, they were that, that way just a year apart. And all, all three of their children. But when she got pregnant the third time, she called Debbie and said, tell Robert to stop praying. <laughs> so. so number one, God does signs and wonders. That's just, that's just normal. That's normal for God. Here's number two. God heals spiritually. He doesn't just heal physically. He heals spiritually. And, and it's very important for us to know this because I want to just talk to you about something. It said the blind are going to see, the deaf are going to hear, the lame are going to walk, and the mute are going to speak. Would it be all right if God healed your spiritual eyes? And and I just want to tell you, that's pretty important when you can open this book and it jumps off the page at you. And you see that this is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being to spiritual beings. It's pretty fun. And it's fun when you get to hear God. God opens your spiritual ears and you can hear God speak something to your heart. And it's fun when God heals your lameness in an area of your life and you can walk in the spirit in that area. And it's fun when God looses your tongue when you're afraid to speak to people and now you can speak to people and share about your faith in Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 2, when God loosed their tongues at the coming of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, it says they heard them speaking the wonderful works of God in their own languages. Are y'all, are y'all following me? So we want God to also do it spiritually. So I want to show you something about this to let you know that if you're saved, the Messiah has done this for you. He's made you whole. He's made you whole. So in Luke, there's a story about 10 lepers that got healed. You've probably read the story. And one leper, who was a Samaritan, the other nine were Jews, came back to say thank you. And then Jesus says this. Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give 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 glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has, now watch this, made you well. One version says made you whole. Now, this made you well is one Greek word. These three words, made you well or made you whole. Now, nine, ten of them were healed. One of them was made whole. Made well completely. Made whole, spirit, soul, and body. It's a Greek word. It's pronounced sod. Zo, sozo. Now, if, if you see it written in, in English form, it'll be written S-O-Z-O. And you'll hear people pronounce it sozo, but it's, it's just 
It's just not the correct pronunciation. And I know all of you want to cor- pronounce Greek words correctly, <laughs> but it's pronounced so so, all right? But it means to be made whole, to be healed, spirit, soul, and body, to be made whole, to be made well. As a matter of fact, one definition. Think about this now, and this is in the Strong's Concordance. There are several definitions. One is messianic deliverance and salvation. The Messiah brings deliverance and salvation. You've been made whole. And this word is in the New Testament 110 times, this Greek word sozo. 93 times, though, think about this, 85% of the time, 93 out of 110, it's translated save are saved. As a matter of fact, here's one of the most famous verses, and this is the word sozo. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be made whole. Okay, Here, Here's why I'm telling you this. If you've called on the name of the Lord, then he's already opened your spiritual eyes. He's already opened your spiritual ears. He's already healed your lameness. He's already loosed your tongue. He's already done this for you. It's like last week when I was saying the Messiah brings strength, but here's how you receive that strength in your everyday walk. Here are some things you need to do. Okay, so I want you to know God has already made you whole. He's already done that because you came to Jesus on the cross. So let me just show you a few verses on opening your spiritual eyes and ears. Jeremiah 5, 21. Hear this now, O foolish people, without understanding. See, you don't understand if you don't have your spiritual eyes open, who have eyes and see not, and who have ears and hear not. Ezekiel 12, 2. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, but does not hear. Remember, by the way, when, when Paul, who was called Saul before, on the Damascus road, he meets Jesus, he's blinded, literally, in the natural But when Ananias comes and lays hands on him, Acts 9, verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. Well, he not only received his physical sight, he received his spiritual sight. Because when you read the writings of Paul, um, some some of the things are pretty hard to understand. That's what the Bible says. And this guy began to see in the spirit. And I think it's fantastic when God opens your spiritual eyes. So, but this... This Jesus talked constantly to his disciples about you have eyes, but you can't see. And I've preached on this in, in several different types of series that our spiritual eyes mean you have eyes, but you can't see. Now, I've thought about this because um, ladies, to me, can see things many times that men can't see. And I'm not just talking about in the spiritual. They can see things in the spiritual, but sometimes they see things in the natural. For instance, I will look in my closet for a certain shirt. I will go through every shirt individually looking for it. And then I will say to Debbie, uh, Sugar, I, I know that shirt's here, but I can't see it. She walks in and says, it's right here. Okay, so... Then she said to me one time, you have eyes, but you can't see. Okay. But I've decided it's not just that she can see things. I think she can make things appear that aren't there. 
I asked her one time where the scissors were. She said, in the, I've told you this before, in the top drawer by the refrigerator. Okay, I had already taken everything out of that drawer. So I thought, I've got her this time. I've got her. I'd taken everything out and put it back in. And I said, uh, Sugar, I've, I've looked, and um, it's not in that drawer. She walks, this one says, she walks in the kitchen, opens the drawer, and says, they're right there. She made them appear. <laughs> and so then she says to me again, you have eyes, but you can't see. And she walks out of the room, and I thought she was far enough, and I said, no, you a voodoo woman. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, what'd you say? I said, you're, you're a beautiful woman. That's <laughs> so God not only heals naturally, God heals spiritually as well. And the reason I'm saying that is because I'm going to pray not only for natural healing at the end of the service, but for spiritual healing as well and emotional healing because it says he came to heal the brokenhearted. So here's number three, God opens wounds. This is scriptural. God opens wounds. Now I'm going to show you something at first and and you may wonder why I'm showing it to you, but I want to explain it to you. Uh, If you remember, Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife because he thought he, they would kill him. And Abimelech, the king, took her into his harem. But he didn't sleep with her. And of course, God shows up in a dream and you know, says to him, you're a dead man, you know, to Abimelech. And he obviously gives Sarah back. But Genesis 20, verse 18 says, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Okay, so not only does God open wombs, it says God closes wombs. Now, please, please, I've got to explain this. Well, this was for judgment. But listen to me. If you're a believer in Jesus, God would never close your womb for judgment. Never. Because Jesus has already taken your judgment. If you don't hear anything that I ever say, and no matter how many years you attend here, please understand this. If you're a believer in Jesus, God will never punish you for your sins because he already punished Jesus. He's a just God. He cannot punish two people for the same sin. And so many times we think this. We're on the way to work and we get a flat tire and we think, yes, yes, I didn't have my quiet time this morning, so I see see God, you're you're punishing me for not having my quiet time. And then it starts to rain and we're like, oh, nice touch. That's a nice touch, God. Okay. That, okay, you didn't get a flat tire because you're under the judgment of God. Let me give you the theological reason you got a flat tire, a nail. (laughs) But if you're a believer, God is not punishing you for your sins. Jesus took that. Here's the reason I say that. One of our friends that we went to high school with, we connected with uh, her and her husband 10, 15 years later. I don't remember when the time frame was. But Debbie was kind of catching up with her. I was talking to her husband, and she said, and it may have been later on the phone, Debbie was actually talking to her. I can't remember now. But the point was, somehow it came up about children. Do you have children? And she said this. She said, no, I don't have any children, and I know that God is punishing me for things I did as a teenager. And Debbie explained to her, that's not right. God is not punishing you. So here's what I want to say, ladies. There is no condemnation of those who are in Christ. And condemnation, we always think of it as a word. There are condemning words. 
But the word condemnation means a sentence of punishment. There's no sentence of guilt against you. Because God's saying, so if, if you've had difficulty conceiving, listen to me. It's nothing you've done wrong. It's nothing you've done wrong. You've got to know that. Because God doesn't do that. He, he punished Jesus for all of our sin. Okay? So, but I want to show you another place where he closed the womb and talk about where God might close the womb for a season. I want to show it to you. First uh, Samuel 1, 5. But to Hannah, he, that's her husband, would give a double portion for he, that's her husband, loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Now, he wasn't punishing Hannah, but he had closed, the Lord had closed her womb. Okay, so why would God close the womb? Well, I know some people that could not conceive and adopted, and right after they adopted, they conceived. But God, you got to remember, if you're a believer, God's working all things for good. And God wanted that child raised in a Christian home. And so he may have worked those circumstances out for you to consider something you wouldn't have even considered. Are you following me? So you've got to always look at God according to his character and his nature. Another reason that God might close a womb for a season is that he was waiting. He was doing, a, let's say it this way, he was doing a work in Hannah's heart because he needed Samuel to grow up in the temple and learn to hear God's voice from an early age. And Hannah was so grateful, she was ready, to de- she dedicated him to the Lord then. See? So he was doing a work in her heart during the time. But here's another thing. God needed Samuel born at the exact time to anoint David as the king of Israel. See, God wants your, he's, he wants your child born at exactly the right time to meet the right mate. See, there are so many reasons that God does things, but they're all for our good. That's what you have to know. Um, when Debbie was in the second grade, uh, at the end of the second grade, the teacher said there were some areas that she just felt like it'd be better if she would repeat the second grade. It wasn't like she failed, but she just, the teacher said it would be better if you would, because of this, these areas, and I don't remember what those areas were right now, but so she was held back a year. Okay. What, what you may not know, and I have to be careful how I say this, is Debbie is a little older than I am. So 11 months and one week, okay? So for three weeks of the year, we're the same age. And, and so it's a, it's a really fun thing that I get to do for 11 months and, and one week. But I tell, I've told her several times, you know, when you're 100, I'll only be 99. So, <laughs> but here's the thing. She was put back one class, but that was my class. I might not have ever met her. And so what seemed like a bad thing to her at the time was actually God just arranging things for what he wanted to do in the future. It was for her good and for my good. You, you, you follow me? So, so God opens the womb. Now let me show you some scriptures about him opening wounds. And of course, we know he opened Hannah's womb. Genesis twenty nine thirty one. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. Genesis 30, verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. 
Now, I, the reason I wanted to show you this part is God listened to her. In other words, she prayed. You need to pray. You need to ask God. And sometimes we have different personalities. And my personality is to kind of go for it. And I didn't realize this. Debbie's personality was not, is not the same as my personality. When we got married, I mean, I knew it was a little different. But we, we started growing and learning more things about each other. So um, God gave me the names of both of my sons before they were born. He actually gave me the day that James would be born. The exact day. And so God would speak to me. And so I knew I would have a son named Josh and then a son named James. When I thought we were going to have a daughter, that was three years later. And then I started praying for a daughter because I wanted a daughter. And it was five years until we had to lay. But one of the things that happened was during that time, I said to Debbie, um, hey, are you, when we pray for a daughter, are you, I mean, are you with me on this? Are you agreeing? Do you do you not want any more children? Do you not want to, you know, she said, no, I, I do. And I want a daughter. And then she said something that I just didn't realize that she was thinking this way. She said, I don't really want to pray about it because if I pray about it, I'll get my hopes up and I might get disappointed. And that's a very real sense that people have. And I want you to understand, ladies, it's important that you pray. It's important that you pray. Make your request known to God. It's important. And I could show you many, many scriptures, but I just want to show you one. Matthew 20, verse 29 through 34. Now, as they went out to Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, Now listen to what he said. What do you want me to do for you? They're blind. Have mercy on us, son of David. But he asked them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? Jesus asked the father, remember the the father whose son was demonized, the father said, if you can do anything. And Jesus said, in essence, he said, if I can do anything, he said, no, if you can believe, then all things are possible. And then he said, he made a great response, and it's okay to say this to God, Lord, I believe, Help my unbelief. Jesus said to a man who was lame 38 years, do you want to be made well? Why would he do this? Because it's important. I don't know why. I really don't know why. It's important that you ask God. You know, the Bible says he knows what you need before you ask. Here's the way we interpret that verse. He knows what we need, so don't ask. But that's not what it says. He knows what you need before you ask. He wants you to ask. So remember I told you about Debbie's sister. Well, so our niece, which is the daughter of Debbie's sister, a year and a half ago at Thanksgiving, we were, I was, Debbie and I were sitting across the table from them at a family Thanksgiving. And they'd been praying and wanting to have a child. And I started feeling compassion. Miracles start with compassion. And I started asking the Lord, Lord, do you want me to pray for him? Because I 
Do you want me to prophesy? Do you want me? I just feel, and I felt like the Lord was saying, speaking something to me. So I said to him, I'm going to ask you a question, and I know the answer, but it's important that you answer out loud. I said to each, to the husband and the wife, I said, do you want to have a child? They said, yes. And I said, you'll be holding your child next Thanksgiving. And this Thanksgiving, they were holding their baby. The baby was born October 29th, just a few weeks before Thanksgiving. 